Great. So next up is the feminization of agriculture, examining the evidence. I also have the benefit of a co-author, um, uh, Cheryl Doss, here in the audience as well. So we can share questions later. All right, so why this topic? Why the feminization of agriculture, which is definitely a charged term. Some people like the term, a lot of people hate the term, but what do we mean by that and why would we take up this topic in a book that's looking at how to advance women's uh, gender equality? Well, there are changes in the rural sector, including changes in labor patterns and decision-making in agriculture that are really important when considering uh, gender equality. These changes are being driven by myriad factors, factors from our technological environment, from our institutional environment, from just the shifts that we see over time in, in social norms. So climate change is, is one of those uh, drivers, but also looking at other things like crises, uh, uh, financial, drought-related, et cetera, weather shocks, um, migration opportunities and barriers to migration that might be lowering and encouraging these opportunities um, to, to, be, to be taken up, um, mechanization of agriculture and all manner of other technological innovations. So there's lots of sources we can see that are changing and potentially affecting um, uh, women's role in the agricultural and rural sector. Now, there are two distinct views that emerge given this picture, and, and, and they're kind of their opposite here, right? right? On the one hand, we have the idea that a lot of these changes are opening up vast opportunities for women. Women's agency is increasing when technology helps them, when male migration gives them new opportunities to make decisions on the farm. They can become decision makers in their communities as well in the process, and we have these wonderful outcomes that, that result from these changes. The other um, distinct impression, neither of which are probably fully accurate, is that women are sort of left behind. Uh, let's say men migrate out of the village in response to an opportunity. Women are not only uh, saddled with new responsibilities, but they also have to continue all of the other things that they've been doing up to that point. So they have all of these additional burdens of labor and responsibility, and they often have inadequate access to the resources they need to, to make maximal benefit of, of those opportunities. So we have two different pictures here. And in all of this, we've realized that there's really an insufficient understanding of a few things, which we're focusing on. The first is how the gendered patterns of agricultural labor are changing, specifically what is happening. Uh, and this is really necessary for policy and interventions to be appropriate um, to know what's happening. The next, the net impacts of these changes, um, both in terms of work and agency, are critical areas we need to examine. So what have we learned from CGIAR research? Well, women are increasing both the amount of time they spend in agriculture and the range of activities in which they're involved. So we have intensity as well as where, where they're involved that is, that is shifting. Men's and women's agricultural labor is still, though, remaining segregated in many, in many uh, instances. And when it's segregated, this could be separate but equal, but it's not, usually. We have these more lucrative opportunities being more likely to go to men, and women are often not only not getting to avail of these lucrative opportunities, but when they do the same job as men, they're often paid less, um, so for the same tasks. And then they also can face harassment that makes them actually willing to accept lower wages just to avoid harassment and get, in, get separated from the, the harassers. Um, so there's definitely some concerns um, emerging from the shifting patterns. Um, so uh, we have, again, the daily workloads of women increasing. This is important. 
Nonetheless, uh, women's increased uh, engagement in agricultural decision-making and take-up of paid work opportunities has the potential to change social norms and give women a community of women um, and, and greater respect that comes with having this community and this support system. Um, and this can more broadly empower women. So looking ahead, we really need to imply an intersectional lens in the sense that not only gender, but many other dimensions, um, such as caste, social standing, really matter. We need to understand intersectionality. Uh, we need better analyses of how interventions can improve gender equality. With this as an outcome in mind, how do we improve um, those interventions? Data is lacking. We need quantitative data on some macro level trends and patterns in what's happening um, in women's uh, roles in, in these sectors, but we also need data on policies and on institutions and how they're changing over time and giving women more or less voice, um, as well as better time use data. We have great time use data in some areas and very poor data in other areas. Um, qualitative data is necessary. I can't underscore this enough. To understand not just the outcomes, but the processes of change occurring, we need to complement our quantitative work with good qual work. Um, policies in commercial agriculture need to actually actively prevent exploitation of, rape, of labor, especially in situations when women have lower bargaining power. There's need for hiring women role models as managers. And we need to capture the subjective notions of well-being of women in different regions, because these can vary across cultures a lot. Thank you so much.